Happy Sabbath. Ah, it feels good. I feel tense today. I don't know why. Maybe I need a massage. Honey, can you give me a massage here? You know, and I and I I I, I, didn't, I don't remember that much about my childhood. Maybe I could say, but I do remember something that happened to me a long time ago together with my brother, and I was tense, and I was tense back then when that happened to me, and we were really young, and the only thing I remember is seeing this picture that we have of two of us, my brother, he's on my left hand side, and I'm in his right, sitting on the grass with boots and a little tiny shirt, sitting like that, watching at the, at the camera. And it's just me, but it's like, it's like saying mini burgers, like mini Dante and mini Ivan, you know, really small, the same face and all of that, but kind of like with a face kind of like lost. And when I asked about the question, you know, what is that picture? I mean, do you remember this picture when it was taken? Oh, that happened in the zoo. You know, we have a zoo back in Peru. Yes, it's kind of weird. Maybe you said, they have a zoo. Yes, we do have animals. They're like from different places of the world. And my mom says, this happened, this picture is, I mean, it was taken in the zoo, but that time, I remember you got lost. You got lost. Yes. And you know what happened? You got lost. Both of you got lost. And you guys didn't know what to do. Oh, I remember. And I remember they took me to the front, I mean, the entrance of the zoo, yes. And they have this kind of like a cage, big cage. When all the lost kids, they open the door, they put the lost kids, and they're all watching like that, playing, but they're watching. So when the parents leave the zoo, the first thing they do is, that, oh, there is my kid in that cage. And I remember when I got lost a little bit, I remember I was tense. I was afraid. But I remember when I was watching through those cages, you know, playing, and you're like, is that my mom? Is that my mom? Like, almost all day. And I remember feeling not that good. Because this happened in the morning, and they were leaving, like, by 2 o'clock. They were enjoying the zoo because they knew at the end I was there in the cage. I wasn't a good feeling. I was lost. And when I came to this country, I remember being lost sometimes. But then I learned, when I, you know, when I was learning the English language, I learned that many of the words are related. Um, I learned that sometimes when you go around uh, and you don't do the right stuff or you just do the wrong stuff without even knowing, they do this to you. You know that, right? And I was like, well, what is that? Eh, loser. And I was really, loser? Did I lose something here? I mean, do I lose a bet? Loser. Now, the title for today is that, practically. Because when you read the title, somebody said, are you going to call the church losers? Let's read the Bible. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, 38, and 39. Anyone who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not 
is not worthy of me. Verse 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the title, the reason why we have that title. You know, when you read that passage, uh, you know that this uh, uh, a talk that, that Jesus Christ is giving to his disciples. And to understand those three passages, to, to understand the message today, we need to go back to verse number one of chapter 10. So we can know exactly what's going on there. So let's go back to chapter 10, verse number one. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. If you read your Bible text, it says he called his disciples. Second, number two, these are the names of the 12 apostles. Now the change. These are the names of the 12 apostles, and then first Simon, and then all the names. Why did Jesus change, or why did the writer change from disciples to apostles? When you read those two verses, you realize that in order to be an apostle, you need to be a disciple. An apostle, that word was also used for, for some kingdoms, when they send someone, let's say they send, well, I always use Jim, let's send, let's, there's another Jim too. Let's say, and Jim is not here, you usually hear Jim. And let's say, you know, I have my own kingdom, and let's call it the Marufians. You know, the Marufians, I am King Marufo. I know, kind of weird. And the Marufians send an apostle named Carla Marufian. But it's not because she's family, she's just a Marufian. So, she goes in my name to someone else, some other kingdoms, taking the message for that king so that king can have an answer. And sometimes she's the one who is going to make a deal with that king. She is an apostle. So here we have Jesus Christ calling 12 disciples who were living with him, working with him, going everywhere with him. Suddenly now he changes and he says, now, since that you are following me everywhere, you know everything, now you're going to go and take this message. You are an apostle. And these are the 12. There is a huge difference between both of them. If we keep reading verse number 5, after all the names, also the Bible mentions this. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter, enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Where do they go, these apostles? Do they go to preach the gospel to someone that they don't know? Maybe to some Gentile that they just don't like? The first thing that Jesus says is you are going to the lost sheep of Israel. I don't want you to mess with the Gentiles. Hear that clear. I don't want you to mess with them. Because I'm telling you all of this because you are going to suffer something. And you need to understand that suffering in order to understand the last part of my message. The, le the, the three verses that we read before. Do not go with the Gentiles. Not even with the Samaritans. 
go with the lost sheep of Israel. And verse number 7, as you go, preach, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take alone any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. You go and you tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. And you give what you have received. And I'm giving you the authority to do healing, to raise dead, to change people's life. Now my question is, do you think the Israelites were waiting for that? The Israelites were not waiting for someone to come. You know, the kingdom of heaven is coming soon. So now I'm going to heal you. Hey, how many? How, you, I know you have a problem with your heart, right? It's not, let's see. Okay, it's not sounding very good. And they give you lots of operations. Let me heal you. I don't want that. I mean, if you are an Israelite, I want to feel that I'm somebody and I have the authority among the Romans. Hey, I know, I know you have a problem too. You know, I, would, I, I know I see that sometimes every time you try to focus, your eyes cross like that. And you try to move your head and then they go back to normal. Let me heal you. I don't want that. But that's the message. The kingdom is near. But until that kingdom is coming, I'm going to do something for you so you can feel that God is real. When God does something in your life, isn't God real? You know, last night we were talking uh, uh, during Bible study how sometimes we, 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 we just do not send the right message to our kids. We talk about the God that did all the huge miracle, big things here. And our kids are like, wow, that's a big God. And then they grow five years later. Wow, yeah, that's a good God. He's not a big God. Now he's... It's a good God. And they grow even, you know, bigger and bigger. And they said, I don't know about God, that God. I know you said it's so huge and big, but I don't know. And you know what happened among the way? We never tell the story of what Jesus, that God, has done in our lives. And it's time to tell the story. Parents, it's time to tell the story because God is not a dead God. He's, I mean, this God is alive. And he is still doing miracles today. Well, if you are an Israelite, you don't want to be hearing about being, I mean, feeling good, feeling, no. Jesus, the kingdom is coming, but until then you're telling me you're coming. I mean, I want something real, something for now. And then we keep reading. Verse number 11th, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay in his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. 
If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more, more what? He's talking about, after that, about Gentiles, isn't he? He's talking about what? Sodom and who? It will be more bearable. For Sodom and Gomorrah, on the day of judgment, than for that town. And keeps going. I am sending you like sheep among wolves. Now everything starts right here. I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be smart. Be wise like snakes and innocent. And some other version said, humble like doves. Okay. These people, they have something. They have this tradition. If you go to some other place other than Jerusalem, and you go outside, and you have to cross to that town, you know, you have to cross to that town, and just, there's no way around. Once you leave that dust there, before you enter Jerusalem, which is here, you clean your dust. You clean your dust. And you make sure your shoes are clean of that dust. Why is that? Because you don't mix dust who is not holy with the dust of, the, of Jerusalem, the holy city. And here we have giving that example to them so they will understand. If they don't allow you, if they just don't want you there, you clean your dust. It's like saying... You don't know what you're losing. You know what you're missing. I'm leaving this place. But after that, when he keeps saying all of those things, now he's being sincere about it. He says, hey, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. And he's not talking about Gentiles, brothers and sisters. He's talking about Israelites, their own people. He's like me. It's like God calling me and saying, I'm sending you to Orange Seventh-day Adventist Church, and you're going like a sheep among wolves there. How will you feel about that? How will you feel if someone comes to you and says, you know what? Are you going to the, to, I'm not going to mention some other church, because if it's recorded and somebody listening on the internet, says, oh, pastor is talking about us. No. If you go to XXX Church right there, man, good luck. You must be a sheep there, because there everybody's going to eat you alive, and that's a good luck for you. My peace and whatever you want, everything else. And he's saying that, isn't that sad? Isn't that sad that among us, we are going to feel like sheep among wolves? And wolves like to eat sheep. Because sheep are so innocent and humble and they don't do anything and they're so foolish sometimes. And wolf is so smart that you go around and they eat you alive. But he says, I want you to remember, even that you're going among them, your own people who they are going to eat you alive, you need to be smart and you need to be humble. Remember, smart, humble. 
You have to remember that. And he keeps saying here this. Verse number 17. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to local councils and flag you in their synagogues. I still cannot believe that Jesus Christ is telling them, don't go to the Gentiles, go to the people of Israel, the lost people of Israel, but just be aware of this. They're not going to like you at all. That's sad. When I go to some other Adventist church, the first thing I like is, they are my brothers, we said, right? They think like me. Look, they, they keep the Sabbath. Well, I'm going to feel welcome. He's not saying that. I'm sorry. Don't get excited. It's not going to be like that, Jesus is saying. Be aware and be on your guard against men. Be on your guard. Verse number 21, Jesus also said, Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will reveal against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Is this thing what is really going to happen at the end times? Because we preach about the last days events. But we all the time keep preaching what is going to happen with them doing to us. Which when we say them is Gentile, I mean Gentiles doing to us. But he's talking here about the end time. What you guys are going to be doing to each other. You to me, me to you. Is that going to be the end times? I mean the end days is going to be as ugly like that? Then he keeps saying. And I'm going to keep jumping some verses because you can read it at home. Verse 26. So, okay, so, I'm going to tell you this. So, do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden from that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispering in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Brothers, we are going to I mean, confront times that are going to be so hard for us. We are going to confront times when we are going to be fighting against each other. And it's not going to be beautiful. It's not going to have, those moments are not going to have nice, beautiful music. All right, Dante Maruba. It's not going to be a celebration. It's not going to be a celebration. They are going to be hard times. And those hard times are expressed in such a way that 
for myself, I think, them doing that to me? But then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Yeah, but it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be hard. Just, just do not be afraid. You see, they can do whatever they want to your body. But the soul is yours. The soul is yours to nurture. The soul is yours to keep. The soul is yours to give it to the Lord. Nobody's going to touch that soul. And that's only the, the, the smell of what at the end he's going to be telling them. Okay, so that means it's going to be hard. You're sending us there like sheep and it's going to be wolves around us. And so far you're telling us, don't, I mean, do not be afraid. They cannot do anything with the soul. And then he keeps, I keep reading in that verse, uh, sorry, after that verse, uh, here is verse number 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Or let's call it. Since that he also used the hair. You are worth, I mean, you are worth more than lots and lots of hair. If you are bold, you are going to understand that. Because we can say, Pastor, I don't have that many hair. Look, now I rub myself, I shape, sorry, I shape myself so I don't have anything. You are worthy more than that. So how do you think he's going to leave you? He's not going to leave you. Do not be afraid. How do you think he's not worried about you? That's why I'm giving you the warnings. It's going to be hard among yourselves. And then, my Bible, where's my Bible? Here. And then, Let's jump now to verse 37. The verse that we read when we started this, this sermon. Anyone who loves his father or mother or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now it's starting to make more sense, those verses. At first he's telling you it's going to be hard for you. Because you are going to be among all of those that you think they believe like you and they love the same God and they follow the same God and they are going to be harsh with you and they are going to treat you bad and they are going to hate you just because of me. All of that is going to be bad. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a warning and this is the peak of the whole message. I'm going to give you a warning. Before that warning, remember, do not be afraid. They can do whatever they want with your body, but not your soul. So the peak of the message is, now, I want you to know something. And that something has to do with your mother and father. Isn't it? Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. It's not talking about the husband. It's not talking about the wife. It's talking about the person that you can't deny is your father or mother. Because you cannot deny, you can change your last name. People do that when they don't like their parents. You can do whatever you want, but you cannot deny he or she is your father or mother. No, I mean, 
by blood, by that you even look like her, you even look like him. But I don't like him, so I'm not. I'm not. His. Sorry, it's no way out for you and me. This is for everybody. No way out. He says, if you love your mother and father more than me, you are not worthy of me. That's a relationship. In the Bible, if you remember one of the commandments, what it says, remember? Honor who? But sometimes people cannot even make a decision for Christ because of the mother or father. I have known people who they know the whole truth. They know they have the whole truth in front of them. And when you said, you know what, this is it. Yes, I know it's truth. What about this? Yes, I know it's truth. So are you ready to make a decision for Christ and get baptized? No, I can't. I make a promise to my dad or mom to never change. Change my religion, even if it's the truth. You see, and God is not telling you to love less. Remember this. The Bible says, whoever loves the mother and father more than me is not worthy of me. He's not telling you, you have to love less your mother or father. But this is the challenge for you and me. If you love your mother and father so much, then you have to love God even more. That's the challenge. Because for many of us, it's easy to say, okay, so I'm loving my mother too much, so I'm going to stop doing this. I'm loving my father too much, so I'm going to start, you know, saying this. No, no, I'm going to do less, so that way God can come first. No. If that love is great, you keep loving that person the same. But you love God more, and that's the challenge. Because God, because Jesus Christ wants to be in first place in your life. You are not going to be able to go through hard times, even among ourselves as a church, even among us as Seventh-day Adventists who all have so many different views, even about the three angels' message. We are not going to make it to the end if we don't establish that strong relationship where Jesus Christ is the first one. And you can love your brothers, but you love more God than your brothers. You more Jesus Christ more than you love your brothers. And he doesn't stop right there. You know, say, okay, well, that's for the father and mother. <laughs> okay, the father is saying, you know what? <clears throat> that's only for the father. You see, kid, I'm telling you, God is putting the eye on you, huh? Verse number 38. Sorry, the same verse. Father and mother than me is not worth to me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It's not only for the fathers. It's not only for you as a son that sometimes we struggle and say, well, what it means? I mean, my dad is wrong. My dad is going the wrong way, and he's been a Christian for many years. He's been an Adventist. But I see the truth here. Now we have the situation where the mother or father love their kids so much that they love their kids more than Jesus Christ. More than to Christ. Did that happen, mothers, fathers? Did that happen sometimes? 
That's a hard thing to understand. And that's a hard thing to admit. Pastor, but you just don't understand. That's mother's love. You don't understand. That's my responsibility as a father. You don't understand that Jesus wants to be the first one in your life. It's not about you getting so excited. Saying, you know what? My kid is doing this much. Wow. You know, can you all, you know, praise him for some reason? What about my kid is reaching that because God has allowed for that to happen? Let's put God, I mean God, let's have Jesus Christ in first place. But when the times are going to be harder and harder, not only among us, around us, when times are going to be harder and harder, you have to be, the, the, your, your, your decision making and the things that you have to decide are going to be narrow, 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 because at the end you have to decide, is Christ or is my life? And Christ needs to be first. And if you love your sons or your fathers and your mothers and your daughters this high, that you need to love him higher. And if you love them higher than that, you need to love. You need to bring a ladder and love God higher than that. That's a challenge. But that's a stop right there. Verse 39. Sorry, verse 38. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What can we say about that? Cross, every time you carry a cross back in those days, that means you deserve to die. No way around. Hey, he's carrying that cross. Yeah, he's going to be crucified right there. Can he escape? I don't think so. Can he be pardoned? I don't think so. He's going straight to the cross. And you and I, we have that cross according to Jesus Christ. The problem is sometimes we don't want to carry or we want to ignore the cross. But we have the cross. And sometimes when we carry that cross, we are kind of like, oh, man, this cross. I hate this cross. How can, don't you say you're going to take all these burdens away from me? But it's not about that. And that cross can be represented by the problems you have here at church. By the dilemmas you have in your family can be represented by almost anything and that cross, you have to carry it. But if you read it well, it says, and anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That means that I have to make the decision of taking the cross. Yes, you cannot ignore it. I'm sorry. You have a problem. I do? I thought it was perfect. No, no, no. You have a problem. All of us, we have problems. I do? Yeah. What's your problem? Oh, I don't have a problem. I see you get mad all the time. It seems to be that you have a problem, you know. I see that you like to lie all the time. I see that you like to create stories. I see. I don't have a problem. Yes, you probably have a problem. You have to admit it. That's take. When you admit it, you said, okay, I have a problem. I'm going to take my cross. I do. But that's not it. I mean, it's not only that. You take that cross and you follow me. Don't we do that? Are we supposed to doing that as Christians, following Christ with our cross, following Christ with our burdens? 
take that cross. Don't ignore it. Move on. But you know, the Bible also says, verse number 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Seems to be that we have a problem. I already give you an introduction, disciples of Christ, of all the things you are going to go through in the church with your own people. I already told you if you have your family first and first place. I already told you you don't admit that you have a cross and you have to carry it. I already told you you're not worthy of me. You're going to go through hard times. You need to understand. You are not in control. You just don't know how to do it. But you know what happened according to the Bible? Whoever finds his life will lose it. Seems to be that Christ is saying sometimes we think we already have it made. We know how to find the life. We know we are living the right life. We know sometimes we think we are making it. It's like, oh man, but, but I'm fine. Look, everybody else is losing jobs around. Lord is blessing me. I'm okay. Look at me. I still have my house. I'm not missing anything. The Lord loves me. I have my problems, but hey, you know, uh, that's not a big, I mean, come on. Hey, I'm doing good with my, with, with my kids. I give everything to my kids. I spend even sometimes more time with my kids than with the church or with the Lord. You know, I have it every, you know, I respect my father and I do it all the time. He's sometimes wrong or my mother is wrong and I don't say anything because I respect them. You know, no problem. Now the question is, you think you have fine life, found life. I probably think I have made it. But the reality is all of those who think they have found life, they will lose it. Now my question is, do you want to be that kind of loser? Do you want to be that kind of loser? And it's not only L. You can say, this, this. I'm lost. I'm a loser. Do you want to be that kind of loser? But then, here we have that Jesus Christ is giving you the other kind of loser. The one that I want to be. The one that I wish we all can be. The Bible says, whoever finds his life will lose it and Whoever, what? What? He's what? For who? For my sake, will find it. And the Bible says, find it. And Jesus Christ used, find it, because you first thought you already got it. You only find it when Christ is the one who helped you find and realize that you need him. We have a problem. We are going to go through some issues. But someone is leading my life. Christ. I want to be that loser. Even so that he says that we are going to lose our lives. We are going to find life. And sometimes I think even myself. Coming from Peru and living here for so many years, I don't understand fully. But when you talk this to somebody from the Middle East, and that's why, you know, I don't want to make this comparison, but if you, if you realize when you have these people, when you see these people dying themselves for some God and killing themselves and killing other people, and they say, that's for my God. They die because they want to win something. 
Are you willing to die for the Lord? Put him in first place. Know that you're going to go to troubles, but you're going to carry that cross and you're going to move on. Are you willing to die for Christ in order to have life? It's my question. Are we willing to do that? Life is Christ. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is more than Christ. Christ is the one that you and I, we all need Christ. The Bible talks about father, mother, son, daughter, relationships. But among all those relationships, the stronger one, the bigger one, the best one that needs to lead, needs to guide, needs to take over your life is the relationship between you and Christ. Is that what is happening in your life is my question. I hope it is. I hope it is. I want to have a life with Christ. I want to see you, you know. I want to I be around, walking around, saying, you know what? I know the same Christ that you do. Yeah, but we don't think the same. You know, what I mean? you know we don't think the same. We don't. Yeah, but I want to have, no, no. We don't think the same. How come, you know, it's the same Christ? Like some of my fellow brothers who preach, go door by door, and they don't allow me to pray for them because they say, I don't know what God are you praying to. I'm not going to allow you to pray for me. But here we are among us. Same Christians who believe the same God and we have the same Savior. How can we be off so far, I mean, so, so, so far away among us? And how can we allow for that to lead our lives when Christ is the one who is supposed to be leading us? You know, God is good. Like he's good all the time. And he's saying all of this to his disciples because he wants for them to realize what they are going, what, what is going to happen to them. So they're not surprised. You never mentioned that to me. He wants you to realize that. And I love my Christ because he's very open with me. I love my Christ because he's really open and he's telling me straight through. You need to have me in your life in first place. Because then you don't deserve me. You don't deserve to be called Christian because if you're a Christian, you, that means that you have me, right? But if you don't, then what? I want to be a loser for Christ. Because I want to lose my life. For him in order to find life. I want to do that. I don't care if people call me around when I go different places and they think I'm weird and they just put this L and double L and three L's and L, L on top of L. I don't care. I want to live. I want to live with Christ. Do you want the same thing? That's my question. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you because I also need prayer. And we all need to pray for each other. 
We are living hard times right now. And we're going to be living even harder times. This is nothing yet. But we need to have a strong relationship with our Savior. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to give you a, maybe not that much, maybe because of me. I'm going to give you only 15 seconds or 30 seconds to pray for me. Can you do that? I'm going to give you, that's why I say 15 seconds. It is simple. You don't have that much to say about me. You can just say, Pastor, oh, sorry, God, please forgive the pastor. I don't know. And I'm going to pray for you too. So I'm going to give you 10, 15 seconds, and then I pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters. Sometimes we have hard times among your people, among your family, among your church. But nothing compared to what we are going to be suffering until the end of these times, O oh Lord. It's going to be hard to admit that we are going to be confronting each other. That we are going to be fighting against each other. It's hard to admit that sometimes our love for those who are close to us, like father, mother, son, daughter, is even stronger than the love for you. And in many ways, it's so hard to admit that all of us, we have problems. We have a cross that we have to take. Make the decision to take the cross and follow you. We have to admit that we need you, Lord. And at this moment, I want to pray for all of us, my brothers and sisters who are here, youth, children, older people, all of us, to help us, O oh Lord, to admit that we need to change. But not the change that somebody else wants for us, but the change that only Christ wants for us. Help us, O oh Lord, to make the decision to love you more. To do something about it. To love each other. To show, oh Lord. To show that, that you are in our lives and you are leading our lives. Help us not to be afraid of anything. Because you are in control of our lives. As we leave this place, I want to ask you, Lord, for blessings over my brothers and sisters. For you to be with them always. For your holy angels to bless them, to be there around them all the time. For you to take care of each one of them. 
for you to bring them back to your house of, to your house of worship again and again. For you to move our eyes and make sure that we focus our eyes on the cross every Sabbath. Thank you because you listen to our prayers. Thank you because you're such a good God. We cannot have any complaints against you. You are God. In Jesus' name, we want to ask all of this. Amen.